listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. We've got a unique conversation coming up that I think uh, everyone is going to like. It's about mid-January 2020 when we are recording this. And we're getting a little away from just talking about, you know, fishing and techniques and that sort of thing. And I brought on a gentleman by the name of Chris Dole. And Chris is a professional sports nutritionist. And when it comes to what to put in your mouth and what not to put in your mouth. And we're going to talk about the benefits and the nutrition in the fish that you catch. Chris, are you there? Hey, Ted, how are you? You know, I'm good. How are you, man? No, I'm decent. Good, good. How's, how's, how's the world of sports nutrition? Uh, it's interesting. Um, met with uh, the men's and women's soccer teams last night, and we watched a documentary and did a little homework, get those guys thinking about what they're putting in their bodies and how to fuel their bodies right, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, I'll bet so. I'll bet so. And, and it isn't like a seasonal thing because pretty much people need to eat, don't they? Correct. So we always have, you know, we want to perform better during the season, but then, you know, in off season we want to put on some muscle or lose some weight or put on some weight or whatever it is. So we're always talking about uh, different foods and what to eat and how to eat it in a way based on that individual to get the results that they need for their specific sport. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. How, I'm just curious, Chris, how, how in the world did you get into the, the field of nutrition? Um, I was a high school soccer coach and in, thought that I was in my career and had a kid on one of my teams that needed to lose a little weight, and I helped her the best I could. At the end of the season, I realized that I didn't know quite enough to be able to help her the, as much as I should have been able to, so I went back to school and got a couple degrees in nutrition, and it just ended up being my thing. People are always talking about, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. What's this greater calling? And I found mine, and it just makes sense to me, and I've been blessed in that area. Oh, that's so cool. Now, now you have, you're close to getting your PhD, is that's what I understand, but you've also studied under some really kind of renowned experts in the field, haven't you? Um, yeah, um, not so much on the nutrition side, but, you know, definitely with the other things that I'm doing, um, the PhD is in health sciences as a behavioralist studying the, you know, why people do the things that they do and, and how to help them modify that behavior so they can have a healthier outcome in life. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, Chris, as you know, um, this podcast is, uh, um, um, uh, slanted towards fishermen and fishing guides and lodges and charters and that sort of thing. And what I wanted to do is have a conversation with you today about the nutrition of the wild fish that people are bringing into their boats. Um, as a guide or a charter captain, um, I know that they get, you know, they, they get questioned all the time about, well, hey, is this, you know, is this fish good to eat? Is it safe to eat? And that sort of thing. And that's, uh, you know, how I'd like this conversation to go, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, okay. Well, you know, it, in general, are there some general 
like rules or, 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 or facets to what kind of fish is better to eat than another, um, um, something like that? Sure. So from a nutritional standpoint, just, you know, proteins, fats, and carbs, your macros, all, all fish is going to be, you know, give or take 10% about the same. But then you start looking at, you know, the different chemistry that is involved in these fish and an and ocean fish and, and a wild caught fish and a fish from a cold environment is going to be a fattier fish, meaning he's going to be uh, richer in that omega-3 that everybody's always talking about. And, yeah. you know, omega-3s are amazing for cardiovascular health. Um, so an ocean fish from a colder water source is going to be higher in that omega-3 than mm-hmm. um, the freshwater fish, for example. And so, so what you're saying, and if I reiterate there, is that fish in colder waters tend to be fattier, and that's where you're going to find that omega-3. And then kind of based on the species, different species will have more fat than others. Is that, would that be fair to say? Correct. So, you know, based on um, genetics or uh, the hunting patterns of that fish, um, you know, a bottom-dwelling fish, isn't going to be as fatty as a uh, free swimming fish, for example. Uh-huh. So for instance, like a halibut who feeds off of the bottom or, um, or a flounder or something like that, uh, they won't have as much fat on them as like a, like a salmon or a striper or something. Correct. Got it. Got it. And, and, and then, you know, people are very concerned, Chris, about you know trace minerals and mercury and 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 other types of of uh, uh, met, you know metals in fish and that sort of thing. How does that play into this? Well, so now we're talking about you know an, an environmental issue. So uh, humanity has not done the greatest job of keeping our waterways, be it you know fresh or ocean, uh, clean and pristine. Let's let's say the clean and pristine. And right. so as, as these elements are being leached into water sources, um, you know, predominantly that's going to be, you know, leached into the groundwater. And so a freshwater fish, the mercury levels are going to be a little higher than an, an ocean fish just because parts per million, right? And if you drop right. red dye in a pond, you might be able to see some of the red dye. You drop the same amount of red dye in the Atlantic Ocean and it's gone, you know, because right. there's so much ocean water. Um, mm-hmm. So the interesting thing about, you know, mercury or a trace element, lead, whatever, in, in a fish or in anything that we eat is it, it would be extraordinarily rare that, you know, one fish would have so much of that in him that eating it would be immediately harmful. So we're really talking about, uh, are you fishing f- from a source that is higher in mercury, and are you eating that on a regular basis so that the buildup in your system or in your body um, can build up into a toxic level? Your body is amazing from the aspect that it, if something gets into it, it knows how to deal with it in trace amounts, and it can flush your system, you know, encapsulate it here, get rid of it, whatever. 
Um, uh-huh. But then as that is stored and built up over time, then it, it can end up being a problem, if that makes sense. No, no, it does. I mean, in in one of my past lives, I I, I have some education in um, lead buildup in the body and how uh, using lead-based products in construction, you know, uh, pre-1978 has, you know, affected a lot of people. And, and there's very few cases where people get too much lead in them immediately and they become immediately ill. It's, just, it's that buildup of the lead in their system, you know, over a period of years and decades that really is the harmful thing. And I would imagine fish are the same way, aren't they? I mean, if you're eating something with mercury in it, I don't know where the mercury is getting stored in the body, but the body's doing something with it, but it probably just gets to a point where, you know, the body goes, hey, you're kind of over the limit here. So uh, we're, uh, you know, we're not going to deal with this well from this point on. Sure. And then, you know, we're, we're going to deal with um, how high up the food chain is this fish. So, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. little fish eats krill and let's say this is a higher mercury environment. The krill has uh, however much mercury in it. That little fish eats however many krill and gets all that mercury in him. So now that fish has a higher level of mercury than the krill did. Then that little tiny fish gets eaten by a slightly larger fish. That slightly larger fish ate however many of those tiny little fish, and so he has a higher amount. And by the Mm -hmm. time you work your way up to, you know, some of the bigger fish, you know, a tuna or – and I'm not the fish guy, so – you know, insert your fish of choice there, I guess. But the, the right. larger predatory fishes are going to have a higher buildup of that in their system. Um, it, fishermen are fun in in one respect because they always want to catch the biggest fish. And catching the biggest fish might not be the best for you to eat, though. So right. maybe you catch one that, like, hey, this is my trophy, and you catch another one and say, hey, this one's going on the grill. Right, this is one's dinner, right? <laughs> Very good. So, so I'm just curious. You mentioned uh, just a little bit ago about omega three. Um, what what is omega three, and where do you find that in the food? All right. So, um, when we're talking about nutrition, we're really talking about omega three, omega six, and omega nine. And okay. so, some people you could Google it, and it would be the omega three six nine controversy. Uh, mm-hmm. Omega-9 is pretty easy. Our bodies make omega-9, and we don't have to worry about it. Omega-3 and omega-6, we have to get from our diet. Um, the standard American diet is about 80% omega-6 and about 20% omega-3. And okay. for an optimal health status in the human body, that needs to be a 50-50 ratio. The reason being, there's one transport for those Um, different types of fat in the human body. And so if there's only so much of that transport molecule available, eight out of 10 times, it's going to grab an omega-6 as opposed to two times out of 10 that it's going to grab an omega-3 to be able to move it around our bodies and use it the way that we're supposed to. So balancing out our diets so that we're getting good sources of omega-3 also, which is a little more rare in nature, Um, walnuts, is another good source of omega-3s, but nothing compares to fish, right? So right. eating fish in your diet is, is a good thing to do for the omega-3s. 
and making sure that you have that in an abundance so that when your body is saying, hey, you know, we want to pull off this chemical uh, procedure inside of yourself and we need some omega-3s, it can go find it instead of being inundated by the, all the omega-6s. Omega-3 is really good for your heart. Uh, omega-6 is good for, um, like, menstruation and lowering cholesterol. Oh, okay. So, and, so it's and not that, like omega-6 is a yeah. bad fat. Yeah. So that's found in the fat in the fish? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, now in regards to preparing a fish, if uh, you know, on, on the grill or baking it or, you know, in a pan and, and that sort of thing, I would imagine there are ways that you can prepare a fish where it diminishes the nutritional value, uh, i.e. putting a whole lot of butter and mayonnaise on it, right? Um, compared yeah. <laughs> to, to, to other methods of, you know, if somebody was to drop on your doorstep tomorrow a nice fillet of salmon, how would you prepare it for yourself to get the most nutritional uh, uh, um, value out of that fish, Chris? So I'm actually going to answer that in just a second. I want to step back to that omega-3 question. Okay. Why is, you know, let's talk about fats in general. So you mm -hmm. know how... Uh, you have a, a beef steak sitting on your counter, and you can see the marbling in the steak. You can see the fat on the edge, and inside your house at 70 degrees, that steak is it, uh, the fat on that steak is in a solid state. Correct. Correct. When you have a salmon steak sitting there, you can't see the fat. It's inside. Right. It, right. Right. So, in in a very cold environment, what does that fat do for that? fish because of the way the structure of that fat that fat doesn't really want to stick together that fat is acting that's its insulatory layer right and that fat wants to slip past each other and so when you eat that fat that's the kind of fat that when it gets inside of you it doesn't want to clog an artery that's why it's such an important fat oh real okay got it yeah it's a, a it's a polyunsaturated fat Oh, interesting. That'd be a good fat. Interesting. <laughs> to the bad fat. <laughs> right. So it, 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 doesn't want, it doesn't want to stick to each other. Correct. Okay. Got it. So, you know, when you put, um, you have your skillet out and you put your salmon on there. And mm -hmm. about six minutes after you got the salmon going, those little globs of mayonnaise looking stuff starts popping out the top, right? Right, right. That'd be the fat. And okay. it's never in a real chunk, right? It's mm -hmm. always like there's a glob and it's kind of runny at the same time. Yeah, kind of slippery fat on there or something, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. slippery fat, not a globby fat. Right. Because a globby fat inside of an animal is going to be globby inside of you. Mm-hmm. You just got to remember, you're just a big mammal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. The preparation methods. If someone uh, yeah. sent me a salmon, um, I'm putting it in a cast iron skillet, skin side down, little salt, little pepper, and I'm just going to let it go because I don't want to ruin that flavor. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mm -hmm. apply so much heat that it breaks down all the different cells and I lose all the nutritional value of that fish. I'm going to cook him nice and easy and leave him a little bit on the rare side. That's the beauty of, of ocean fish is we can eat them raw. 
Oh, and that. yeah, sushi, right? Sushi, yeah. Good. <laughs> nice and healthy. Right. That's, right. That's how you know that this is okay for us. Is, is you can eat it raw. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people want to say, "Oh, I'm a carnivore." Eh, you're an adapted omnivore. If you were truly a carnivore, you could run over a squirrel and then eat him. But you can't. You'd have to cook him first. Right. So anything that we can eat raw is the right bacterial step for a human being based on our chemistry. Oh, got it. Okay. Okay. Now, now, what about like uh, what about like halibut and that sort of thing? They they're kind of eating dead things all day long. Are they are they a little bit different than like a salmon? Right. So um, typically with my clients, I, I have them avoid things that are eating dead things. And, okay. and the reason being is, uh, let's say um, that halibut is eating something that is dead. Well, if that halibut doesn't come along and eat that dead thing, something else is going to, and it doesn't have to be something big. It can be something microscopic. Right, that right. microscopic bacteria or, you know, something multicellular, you know, some sort of parasite. And so then those things are on that carcass that halibut finds it, it eats it. And mm -hmm. now those bacteria and parasites are inside of that halibut, right? Oh. Uh -huh. um, that's why I say that ocean fish is healthier for you in the long run than freshwater fish because the chances of parasites in a ocean fish are a lot smaller than a freshwater fish. Um, oh, so okay. that parasite gets inside that fish, and if it can get outside of that fish's uh, digestive tract, um, mm -hmm. it could be inside that fish. And it could be viable and living as a parasite inside of that fish. And then you catch that fish, and if he's not cooked, cleaned, or whatever properly and carefully, that 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 little parasite could get inside of you. Mm -hmm. That's a bacterial set that we as human beings are just, we didn't evolve for. Right, right, right. Food poisoning type thing, right? Right. And that's why we have to mm -hmm. cook everything. Mm -hmm. But So remember, but at, even if it's is, fish, if you're cooking it, 140 degrees. Mm-hmm. But, but as, you, uh, as you were saying, though, that the the saltwater fish because it's cold and just the environment in which they live on that's what people all over the world eat as sushi and so i mean if we can eat it raw like a vegetable right we can sure eat it cooked but that sounds like a a better food for us huh correct it's um you're not trying to stomp on anybody's personal beliefs but you know if if the evolutionary process is that at some point everything came out of the ocean, then we're just eating something that was from a natural environment at some point in our evolutionary process, and it makes a little bit more sense. Right. Um, it, it, it doesn't have a bacterial set that we can't deal with. It doesn't have um, structures or anything negative to it that we can't um, just ingest as a human being and be healthy. Right. So, so answer me this, you know, I grew up in Oregon and we'd catch springer, uh, spring salmon uh, every spring. Imagine that. Um, and yes, we, would take, we, would take that, yeah, we would take that home and uh, 
uh, we put it on the grill or put it, you know, put it in the skillet and holy smokes. I mean, that was like butter, man. It was delicious. And the flavors would just jump at you, Correct. you know, but then you go down Absolutely. to like, go down to like Costco, if I can pick on them, you know, and you pick up some of the, that copper river salmon, um, or whatever the, you know, the flavor of the day that they're, they're offering. And you take that home and you prepare it the same way. And it just doesn't taste the same. Why, why is that? Well, a couple possibilities. So if you're dealing with a farm raised fish, um, then depending on the environment that it's being raised in, and you, you ever thought about why ocean fish tastes more fishy than freshwater fish? Because they're uh, living in a brine solution, basically, right? Right, right, okay. And that briny solution is what makes that fishy flavor. So if it's not being raised in as high a salinity as you would find in just, you know, in a wild top fish, that could be part of it. The other part of it could be um, that fish is caught and it's processed and it, it's flash frozen Im immediately. Um, mm -hmm. Water is interesting from the aspect that it's the only um, liquid on the planet that once you freeze it, it creates a larger volume. And most things okay. when you freeze them, they get smaller, right? right. So, and, and there's water inside of every organic cell on the planet. As you freeze those, some of them are going to burst. And as those burst, you're losing the nutritional content of that cell and you lose enough of them, and that's where all the flavor comes from, right? So you're losing the quality of that vegetable or, you know, if you're steaming a vegetable or that fish, if you're freezing a fish. And then mm -hmm. let's say that flash frozen is delivered to the factory where it's got to be packaged now, right? And so right. they flash froze them um, as a whole fish, or they gutted them and then flash froze them. Well, mm -hmm. nothing is packaged that way, so now they're going to thaw them back out. They're going to take the skin off or steak them or fillet them or whatever, you know, product they're trying to make, and then they're going to freeze them again. So now you mm -hmm. have more cells burst from the freezing process, and every time you do that, you're just lowering the nutritional value of that, that fish or that product. I.e. affecting the, the, the taste of that, of that fish. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm just curious. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot of fishermen that will go to Alaska or other places and they'll bring home just a cooler full of fish, you know, a couple hundred pounds of right. full. And you put that in the, re in the freezer and you kind of don't, you know, you, you, you have a couple packages in the back, you just don't get to, and then you bring them out and it's got all that white freezer burn on it. What, what's caused that? Um, th that's just that cell breaking down over time. So and when the fish is alive, those cells are doing their job. And at the end of their lifespan, it replicates its DNA and makes another cell. And the fish just goes on living life, just like we do. Uh, right. Once that fish is harvested and now it's dead, that cell is no longer um, vibrant and alive. And at some point, it's going to deteriorate and start to decompose. And freezer burn is just when something's been in there so long that the, you know, like, if you ever put ice, you have an ice cube tray in the freezer and you leave it in there too long and then the ice starts to shrink and it looks all like wonky. Wonky. <laughs> I don't know. Wonky. That's wonky a, yeah. No, a I know exactly where it's but 
yeah. <laughs> but, but you just go, eh, that's not what an ice cube is supposed to look like. And you, you dump those all out and it leaves that film on the ice cube tray. And it's yeah. all it's doing to the fish or anything right. that's in your freezer for too long. Um, mm-hmm. If I was a guide, I would invest in one of those uh, vacuum sealing yeah. uh, products that you can get. And people would catch their fish, and I'd be like, hey, let's stake this out or fillet this out or cube it up or whatever you want done, and then vacuum seal it and freeze it for them and, and then send it home with them. Mm-hmm. Then, then it wouldn't have to be refrozen again ever. Yeah. A, a, lot, of lodge, a lot of lodges will do that. That's a, that's a big part of their business. But, you know, the, the individual guides and charters that take day trips, you know, they just don't have time to do that. But recommending that to uh, a, a, a customer or client to take what they you know prepared for them home, and then you know get uh, what, are, what are some of the vacuum sealers out there? Uh, anyway, just get a, a vacuum sealer and and uh, you know prepare uh, the the fish that way, and they tend to the last a whole lot longer, don't they? Yeah, and really right here we're fishing for a little product placement if anybody wants us to mention their name out loud, right? <laughs> Just kidding, Ted. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. So so in regards to, you had mentioned, you know, if, if you were given a salmon, you would uh, put it in a hot skillet and and uh, um, uh, put it skin down. Why, why, why are you cooking that, that salmon skin down i don't know i i read that a long time ago somewhere it won't well, yeah i'm being honest um, right, right. I, w- I would guess from a physiological standpoint that because the closer it is to the final column the bigger the veins are going to be and so okay. you're cooking it capillary down basically an mm-hmm. artery up okay and don't ever flip it oh my god don't flip that fish right right yeah like like you were saying keep it a little bit raw and and uh, a lot of fish will continue to cook through once you take them out of the pan i mean you just let them sit and rest for a little bit and uh, you know like scallops and that sort of thing it's, you know well known that a scallop will continue to cook itself after you take it out of you know out of a pan and searing it and, and that's another, you know, uh, another discussion is, you know, searing fish makes a whole lot of sense because that can keep in the uh, omega-3s and 6s also, can it? Oh, absolutely. Um, anytime mm-hmm. you're applying heat to an organic cell, you're breaking the cells apart. Not all of them, obviously, or they just burst into flames in the skillet, but enough of them. That's where it, it looks, you know, liquidy or juicy around what you're doing. Is the right. cells breaking apart when you're releasing, you know, whatever? Um, uh-huh. The more intact that fish is going to be, the healthier it's going to be, because you're not denaturing proteins and you're not, you know, breaking apart cells. Right, right. Is there is there any you know a rule of thumb um, in regards to you know how often someone should eat fish or how much fish? they should eat at a given setting and that sort of thing? Um, so if I step back as a nutritionist, 
Now, naturopathic nutritionist, meaning that I, I like food the way that it comes from the planet. I don't like mm-hmm. food that's been messed around with by humans or companies or, you know, whatever. So a naturopathic right. nutritionist, and I think about, you know, if there's seven days in a week and three meals a day, 21 meals, what, how many of those should have fish in them? Um, the first right. thing that I would say is, you know, I want a third of them to be a, a vegetarian meal, to be perfectly honest. Uh, plant-based diets are, are absolutely the way to go. There's a, a mountain of research out there that suggests this. And then if, when you're going to start adding um, animal products back into your diet, the first thing that I would put back into my diet is fish. Um, okay. Vegetarians who eat fish are called pescatarians. And that's a very healthy and prominent way to live life. I would eat mm-hmm. fish three or four times a week. I would eat chicken maybe twice a week, red meat maybe once a week, and I'd skip pork altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well, that well that makes sense. And um, and and then you know, proportional wise, I mean, does fish uh, fit into? Is it called the? Is it the, the the new diet is called the what is it the keto diet or something like that? Oh, I hate that thing. Keto is so bad for people. Really? <laughs> they should rename that as how to turn off your liver. Oh, really? Oh, no Take kidding. It dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the greatest thing. Uh, yeah. Better way to eat is, is plant-based and as, as close to the source as possible. You know, if you have a choice between an apple and an applesauce, eat the apple. Uh-huh. If you have a choice between sushi and... You know, a baked, or let's make it even worse, uh, deep fat fried fish. You know, you know, fried catfish or sushi. Take the sushi right, because right. it's so much better for you. Right, right, right. <laughs> you, you've just uh, single-handedly have upset some people from your part of the world by saying, don't eat deep fried fish. <laughs> oh, yeah. So <laughs> I live here in the South, and... Yeah. <laughs> Fried fish on Friday. It's what we do. We've done it for hundreds of years. Right. I don't care. <laughs> right, good right. For you. Don't do it. Yeah, you might get your... So you're about four of fish. What's that? <laughs> you were asking about how big a portion of fish, how much you mm-hmm. eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, typically with um, any kind of meat, you want that meat to be about the size of your palm. So the smaller the person, the smaller their palm. So it, you know, goes up and down based on, you know, how big a guy or how big a girl or if it's a kid. So uh, how many ounces is that? It really just depends on the person. Um, I'm six foot one and walk around about 203. Mm -hmm. And if somebody is five foot two and walk around 115 pounds, what they should eat and what I should eat are not the same thing. Right. It really just depends on how big you are. Mm-hmm. But if you keep it about the size of your palm, you're not overeating. And make sure that the rest of your plate has, you know, other good sources of nutri- nutrients in them. Mm-hmm. You know, fish and rice always go well together. Fish, rice, and some asparagus or fish and a nice salad. You know, there's a million ways to go. Make sure you always have your vegetables. And eat a balanced diet. This yeah. would be absolutely be a very important part of a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. 
So what, what's your thoughts or what's your ideas on fish that is smoked? I mean, there's a, a, a lot of things that you read at times about the carcinogens in, you know, in smoking fish and that sort of thing. Is that something to be worried sure. about? Um, honestly, I, I can't see how smoking a fish would be any better or worse from a carcinogen level than um, searing it. And if you sear any time, whatever you're cooking is turning brown, that's mm -hmm. considered a carcinogenic effect. So I don't, I don't know how that would matter. Okay. So smoke away. Yeah. I think smoking, if I had a choice between fried fish and smoked fish, I'll take the smoke. Thank you. Yeah, all day long. All day long. Well, very good. Well, Chris, gosh, we sure appreciate the chance to visit with you. This has been a, a lively and, and a very interesting conversation, <laughs> as, as all conversations are with you. Um, but uh, if somebody <laughs> wants to reach out and has a question for you or something like that, how do they get a hold of you? Um, gosh, how would you get a hold of me? You can find me on Facebook just as, with my name. Okay. I apologize for all my posts, but hey, there you go. Um, I don't have well, a, probably, a website. Or, yeah, probably just through Facebook. And okay. I'm more than happy to answer any Christian questions. It's fun. Great. Well, we're uh, on the show notes. I'll make sure that we put in the link to your Facebook page and uh, people can reach out to you and, and that sort of thing. But um, anyway, again, Chris, we appreciate the chance to, 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 to talk with you. Thank you so much for bestowing all of your knowledge uh, about nutrition and fish with us. Um, obviously, it's given us a lot to think about and a lot actually to share with our clients that we take the, uh, when we take them fishing. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. Okay, you take care, my friend. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon.